Hey, welcome back to another exciting episode of Spellstorm Miniatures. Uh, my name is Jeremiah. And I'm Chad. And I'm Ian. Yes, we have a special guest. We have war host Ian with us tonight. And I'm so excited to be talking with Ian um, and uh, just excited to get exposure to, to his project that he is working on. Um, we are a show that is dedicated to miniature war games. And our goal is just to inspire people to play more. And Ian is going to help us do that. Uh, the first thing we do is we talk about games that we played. Uh, lately, we have been playing fewer games because of COVID and whatnot. Have any of you guys uh, played any games recently? I haven't gotten the chance to. Um, even during my vacation that I've been having, today's the last day of it, uh, I haven't gotten any games other than playing some League of Legends with friends, but mostly trying to get some painting and just relaxing time. Yeah. Because 2020 was a rough year, and we everyone in my store needed a vacation. We just needed some time away from everything. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh how about myself, you, Ian? Myself, personally, I have not really been able to do anything for the past month or so. Um, when I do get a game in, it's usually over a tabletop simulator. But um, mostly just trying to hobby, get ready for an upcoming event here in Michigan, um, which I will, I'll be able to talk about later. Cool. But um, usually I've uh, been using t tabletop to uh, explore new games. We actually, a buddy of mine and... Uh, uh, what, what? Back in November, we're trying out uh, Conquest, The Last Argument of Kings, that new rank and flank oh. game. And I enjoyed it so much, I actually bought the starter box and some extras with some extra birthday money I had. So, you know, the plastic crack is real. <laughs> <laughs> we're like kin, you and me, Ian. I swear, we're like friends. Um, yeah. So I have my Conquest stuff over. I know I'm, I'm gesturing. Great radio. Yeah. Awesome. But. Um, <laughs> My uh, my goal is to get all that built up and maybe nice. dated, but we'll see. We'll see what nice. 2021 brings. Nice. Yeah, since the last time we recorded, uh, I got one game of Commander in, like, before I went to bed one night. This last week was, like, super busy for me. And so, like, I I had, like, nothing. Uh, we had paint party last Thursday, which was awesome. So I got a little bit of hobby time in then, but no games here either. But... Why don't we um, why don't we talk to you? So, Ian, we brought you on because uh, you are um, a community organizer. You host your own podcast. You mm -hmm. play a million games just like we do. And so <laughs> <I> try <to. laughs> you try to. Yeah, so do we. <laughs> <laughs> so do we. Um, uh, so we wanted to uh, just kind of get, get some exposure to the West Coast a little bit. And okay. so tell us your story. Uh, how did you get into wargaming? What was the first war game you ever played? Things like well, that. I got, I got into wargaming. Um, it's gonna, I'm going to ramble a little bit. So if I go too long, steer me. You're good. Um, <laughs> it started when the inspiration started because I was looking for a hobby that was kind of at home and it didn't involve me staring at a screen all night. Yeah. And um I remembered that my dad and I like to build model planes, model cars, and, you know, the typical old school revel kits. And I'm like, well, I'm not a good enough painter to just build these, paint them up, and have them on display. And that seems kind of like a waste. Well, right around that time, an amazing PC game called Warhammer 40,000 Dawn of War was released. 
and I loved it. It was an amazing game. I'm like, these guys are in giant suits of armor, running around, boltering people. They've got giant green people called orcs. This is amazing. And so I started falling down the rabbit hole that is Warhammer 40,000. Yeah. And it's quite I, a rabbit hole, too. It is, it is the biggest <laughs> rabbit hole you could possibly fall into, both in a lore sense and a financial, I don't know, contribution that you would require to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's almost a ball and chain once you get into it. So, <laughs> so yeah, I bought my first Imperial Guard uh, starter army back when the battle forces were still a thing. It had a layman rust tank, maybe a squad of infantry, a heavy weapons team, and a, I don't even, even think it had an HQ in it. And found a local store near me called Pastime Hobbies, which is sadly gone the way of the dodo, unfortunately. And found a local crew and... Um, basically did Warhammer for, oh God, 10 years, maybe, maybe. Wow. And um, yeah, I made some of my best friends doing that. Um, actually, three of them are were, were best men in my wedding. <laughs> right. So um, yeah, I did that for a long time. And then as adulthood came around and people started graduating from college, you know, you know how it goes. People move away to get jobs, you know. Yeah. I work in an industry at well, still to this day, involves a lot of travel and a lot of hours. So that kind of prevented me from being a, a pillar of the community there. But I still played as much as I could. Um, and then I got into, I found War Machine, if you want me to segue into that. Um, yeah. I found War Machine because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a moth to a flame when it comes to cool models. <laughs> if I see a game system that has cool models, I'm going to buy models. Yeah. And I saw Warjack for the first time. I'm like, oh my gosh, that thing looks awesome. It's got little spindly legs because it's a Kador Warjack and it's over top. You know, it's too heavy <laughs> on the top and it looks like it'll fall over, but it looks cool. Yeah. And so I started buying in the War Machine and that became uh, a game for a long time where I only really collected and I only, you know, I played a couple times. Mm. Uh, I started with trolls, actually, because mm. I wanted giant monsters that hit people with tusks. Yeah. Yep. It was cool. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, you know, as I said, with my career, a, gaming became more of a hobby thing and not a gaming thing. Uh, I got a game in whenever I could and um, just collected models, collected miniatures and was more involved in the hobby aspect for a long time. Every now and then me and my buddies would get together and do a big 40K game or we do historicals. We, uh, we have a couple I have a couple friends that are into uh, bolt action and. Mm -hmm. uh, God, they've recently got me into the Napoleonics, which is a whole other ball of wax. <laughs> uh, if you want to paint 10,000 little dudes, go Napoleonics. Um, but yeah. wasn't, that, wasn't that when you were looking at Jeremiah? Shh. <laughs> we don't talk. The first rule about Napoleonics is you don't talk about Napoleonics. <laughs> oh, man. There's yeah, so many similarities um, between you and me, Ian, right now. <laughs> like, my first 40K army was IG. My first faction for for War Machine was actually Kador. I actually saw the jack, liked the jack, and bought the jack. You didn't buy the jack, but... Um, yeah, well, don't get me wrong. I eventually bought in the Kador. Oh, see? Okay, yeah. <laughs> because great Soviet army. But... Yeah. Um, it's best yeah. army. I, I guess the better question when it comes to War Machine is, what army did I not collect? Ah, <laughs> I think the only thing is I didn't collect. I don't, I don't think I collected Cyrus. Uh, yeah, I think I collected. Yeah, yeah. I collect. I didn't collect Cyrus, and I didn't collect. Oh, uh, what's the other one? 
Oh, I don't have Infernals. That's the other thing I don't have. Yeah. I've, I've played almost every single army in War Machine competitively at one point or another. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Almost all yeah. of them throughout the yeah. decade that I've been playing. Yeah. Cool. And that's yeah, the game that binds the three of us together, uh, Dan and me and Chad. We, you know, War Machine's our first game, you know. Yeah. And we play other games, but this is the one we love. Yeah. I used I used to have a huge Crix army as well, and I found out that nice. I sucked playing them. But I was such a fanboy, <laughs> I went and bought a, you know, nice freaking mug for it. Yeah, great radio. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it, War Machine was a game. Um, I only recently found a play group for it, uh, starting in 2018. Okay. And I've been switching between Signar, Protectorate, uh, pretty much on and off as the whim takes me. Yeah. And um, yeah, that game is, I'm still very heavily involved in that, even though the community seems to have dissipated around me, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, there's a, there's a core group that still holds together, but it's never, it's not as big as it used to be, which is what I've seen is pretty common for a lot pretty of people. Pretty common, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know I kind of rambled there a little bit. Um, but yeah, if it's a, if it's a game that's interested me, I usually pick up the models at least a handful yeah. of them just to paint up and nice or have them sit in a box for years and go, Oh wait, I was going to start that project. Wasn't I? Mm, <laughs> maybe I should do that now this year. Yeah, we don't know <laughs> anything about that, by the way. Oh yeah. Um, no, no, no hobbyist ever knows about that. <laughs> hey, what? So, so you mentioned you're in the Michigan area. Where are you in Michigan? Uh, Southeast Michigan. I'm around uh, Detroit's probably about 45 minutes from me. Okay. Um, not to pinpoint me too closely. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't have to like you know dox yourself. I just want. I know. To I don't want that. Don't <laughs> yeah. like doing that. People that know me know where to find me. <laughs> yeah. Are there are there a lot of game stores in your area? Um, last I counted, there's at least six. Wow. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Wow. Yeah, they're, they're the furthest. There's two in, in. If you're familiar with how Michigan's laid out, there's two over in Lansing in the middle of middle of the state. And close as you get closer to Detroit, they start they start to fill in. Um, there's a couple of Games Workshop stores, um, mm -hmm. and there's a couple of independently owned stores as well. Um, if you're if any of your listeners are historical fans, they if they've been looking for historical minis on online, they may know the name Michigan Toy Soldier, which is a you know it's a staple of the hobby community here mm -hmm. where they sell you know, historical kits, and they've just recently started selling Warhammer and um, some other gaming-related stuff, so... Nice. It, so it's... I... Go ahead. Go ahead, Chad. Oh, I was going to say, I have uh, I have one small aside question just out of my own curiosity. Of those six yeah. stores kind of in your area, how many of them carry miniatures in a variety of games, and how many of them are primarily kind of like trading card games and novelty-type stuff, or like comics? Well, there's there's one store that's uh, close to me that is a basically smorgasbord. It's comics, it's collectibles, it's card okay. games, it's miniatures. Um, you know, that store is, as I said, it's kind of like a, hey, pick what you want, come to the yeah. store, have fun. You know, they got board games and everything. Um, but some of the other stores set, uh, tend to specialize. Yeah. I know there okay. are a couple stores that's, that specialize in just like magic and Pokemon and, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But uh, there's some other stores that are trying to be more geared towards, you know, people like us, people that are into yeah. miniature. Uh, there's a there's a store in Ypsilanti that opened up uh, late last year that is purely miniatures. 
Um, they're the one store that actually stocks Conquest, The Last Argument of Kings, which if you want yeah. me to talk about that later, I can talk about that. But um, yeah, it, we're not spoiled for choice in terms of where to play. It's just yeah. getting the community together and agree to a certain spot to go play. Yeah. <laughs> I was mostly curious because I, uh, I work at a game store out here in Hillsborough and we do pretty much everything. We have board games, miniatures, trading cards, yeah. uh, RPGs. We don't do comics or very many novelties. Uh, but my boss was just telling me about there's another new shop that opened up very recently um, kind of in our area, like in our general Portland metro area type right. of thing uh, that opened in Beaverton. But it's I don't think they have any miniatures at all. I think it's like strictly trading card games, board games, RPGs, and then some novelty plush stuff from like anime and uh, video games and stuff like that. So like that just kind of got me thinking like the Portland area is kind of known for having you throw a stone and hit three stores. Like we are very, very um, spoiled with our selection for stores. But then I was also thinking like how many of them actually carry a large variety of stuff, especially like miniatures games. And the answer is like actually not that many of them. There's really only a small handful. Like there's probably a dozen different like card shops and stuff, but only a handful of them actually carry miniature games and hobby stuff like that. Yeah. I think from what I've seen here in my area, um, the 800 pound gorilla is games workshop stuff. Oh, of course. Um, it always is. Yeah, of course. We, we, you know, we all know that, you know, games, workshop, games, Sorry, workshop go ahead, to miniature games is what magic is to trading card games. Like it's just, it's the Titan that you have to carry. Yes. Yes. I would agree. But yeah, it's just a case of, you know, if you have the, if you already have miniatures, like for a smaller game, like wild west Exodus, you can just show up to basically any store and go, all right, we're going to play your game and you know, have fun. Yeah. Um, I have worked with some of the other stores trying to get other games stocked, but you know, that's hit or miss depending on the owners. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to ask, like you, you know, you, you organize events in your area and stuff. What (laughs) kinds of, um, what kind of games have you organized for? And then, and then like, what were some of the, the things that you did that were successful and what were some of the things that maybe didn't work so well? I've had, See, the problem is it's getting over the, I don't, I don't want to call it a stranglehold, but it's a very domineering presence with Games Workshop in my area. Okay, if it's yeah. not GW, you're, you almost don't exist. Yeah. Um, I've had demos where I've had nobody show up. Mm-hmm. You know, the demo was wildly, uh, wild, <laughs> widely publicized it was shared on the on the dark council uh facebook group it was shared in our michigan wild west exodus group and nobody showed up you know yeah it's it's difficult to get stores to actually hop on and promote a game when they don't know there's there there might be a community community to support it and that's that's the roadblock that i've seen yeah um i've I've had demos where I've had eight people show up and they had a blast and then they bought in, you know, like they said, I want to buy into this game, but the store doesn't carry it. How do I get this game? Like you go to Gadzooks, you go to Noble Knight, you go, you know, I can list them, you know, or you can order direct from, from War Cradle. And they're like, oh, I wish my local store carried this. I'm like, then you need to push your local store to open up an account. Yeah. But 
Yeah, that's yeah. that's my experience with with demos as whole as a whole. So I've only really done War Cradle products. Uh, actually, work uh, doing stuff for War Cradle is the first time I've actually done any kind of volunteer work. I thought of doing pre the press ganger way back when for privateer, but I'm like I travel way too much to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Jazz, you were a press ganger. I was a press ganger for about eight months. Oh, oh. Geez. <laughs> that's right. I'm sorry. I was officially a press ganger for about seven or eight months, but I had been working in the community and running events for longer than that. It's gotcha. just that I wasn't officially a press ganger. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, then, and then they shut it down. I got, I got approved to be a press ganger the fall before they announced that they were dissolving it. Oof. So I got, I got to oof. go to a single uh, um, press press ganger invitational before um, a lock and load one year, which was a ton of fun. It was the year that Grimkin was releasing, I believe. If I'm, yeah. It was the year that Grimkin was releasing. Um, and I got to go to that and see a bunch of other press gangers and played games right. with a couple of people. So that was, that was a lot of fun. And it, it made me sad mostly because like um, it just sucked seeing the, um, the community dissolved that way. It was a really, yeah. it was a really tough time. Um, but I mean, the people who still wanted a community and the people who were still dedicated to the community, like myself and some other people around in the area, were still running events anyway. Even if we weren't getting PG points anymore, yeah. we just we did it because yeah. we loved the game, and and a lot of communities survived because of that. And I think some communities maybe struggled a lot because their press gangers were like, "Well, what's the point in wasting my time then?" And That's so, well, how our local war machine crew is actually surviving um a buddy of mine dan is actually was actually a press ganger and he he is he has dug in yeah he's like a trencher in a in a, in a trench he's just stuck <laughs> in and he has held the core group together to yeah. keep them playing and unfortunately 2020 i was i was like eh, yeah. this is the year i get to finally get a win with protectorate and then they were like no nope, <laughs> you don't get to play you don't get to play at all yeah the I have the said best no. this one uh, uh, faithful masses list, and I will never get to play it for a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was yeah. What's the less uh, talked about twenty twenty, the better, I guess, in some ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So I imagine. Um, so War, War Cradle, uh, their their biggest IP is uh, Wild West Exodus. Yes, but they have other IPs. And and I and I imagine it's hard being a community organizer for you know for War Cradle. Like I don't know if you know this or not, but I recently got approved to be a war host as well. Yep. And so I'm trying to figure out what what is that going to look like in our area. And and so um, so I'm keenly interested in some of the things that you've done. Um, but why don't you? Um, why don't you tell us more about specifically Wild West Exodus? Give us a sales pitch. Okay. Maybe even talk about some of the other IPs that War Cradle have, and well, and we like about them too. Well, I can I can start as as my focus as a war host. Yes. I am I am focusing specifically on the dystopian age range of IPs. That's nice. that's Wild West Exodus, Lost World Exodus, Dystopian Wars, Armored Clash, and I'll talk about those in term if we you know in time if we have time. Yeah. So. I'll focus on those games. I might branch out into Firestorm Ar uh, Armada, the space game that they picked up, when right. and if that ever comes out. Um, but 
the steampunk aesthetic really appeals to me. I, I just like the idea of having aliens and cowboys gunslinging it out in the middle of a dusty town. It, it just there's something yeah. about it that's just incredibly appealing. So, as a war host, you are given some, you know, freedom as to what product lines you want to pursue. You are still asked to go. Hey, could you, you know, do this game or do this, you know, demo this new game? But if you're trying to build a, you know, let's say a Wild West Exodus community, you're you're more than free to, you know, focus on that and build it. And if it branches out into other War Cradle products, so much the better. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interest in our area for dystopian age or dystopian wars. Yeah, um, dystopian wars is definitely a game that. Um, has some interest in my area. Um, and I can talk about that when I talk about dystopian wars. Yeah. But um, so I'm going to start with Wild West Exodus. Exodus if I Do can it. Get, Go for uh, it. get my pronunciation going. Um, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, uh, Wild West Exodus is a 32 millimeter skirmish game set in the alternate history Wild West. Uh, multiple factions are vying for power from the Vlamen, who are just trying to keep the peace, to the mysterious hex and its corrupting influence and everything in between. And you have lawmen, outlaws, uh, hex, enlightened, union, watchers, order, and warrior nation are the factions. Now, some of them are pretty self-explanatory as to what they are. You know, the lawmen are obviously going to be your white herbs. They're going to be your doc holidays. They're going to be your law dogs trying to keep the peace. But some are more esoteric in their, in their explanation, like the enlightened. What are they? What do they do? Yeah. Well, they're the mad scientists. Um, I literally just painted up a, a posse that is basically the bride of Frankenstein and her crew. That's so, so awesome. Yeah. So I actually, when I painted her up, I actually painted like the, I know I'm doing great radio here. Yeah. I painted like the <laughs> sides of her hair white because she's got like a beehive going on. Oh. So she kind of looks like she's the bride of Frankenstein. I want to see the pic of that. You should post that in our Discord. Um, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll cool. definitely do that. Um, yeah, and her posse loves to run the big creatures, like the big monstrous, monstrous constructs. Okay. Um, her posse actually comes with a dude that has giant hammer hands and a railgun mounted on his back. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So either you either you either you get a lucky shot and wing somebody with the railgun, which almost does an instant kill, depending on what it shoots at. Or he runs up to you and pummels you into the ground. <laughs> but yeah, the enlightened are definitely your your creature. You know, well, maybe not necessarily your creatures, but your constructs. Like, okay. um, I best I think the best way to compare them would be kind of like cricks. If you're if you're a war machine from your war machine, yeah. you're like the you know, hey, let's cobble this arm and this leg, and you know, put some mechanical bits on it, see what happens. You know. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'm painting up for that posse is a pair of Nizambu snakes. They're basically giant anacondas that have a bunch of mechanical bits on them. And they're great models and they're hilarious. They're Those terrifying on the table. Oh my God, they're terrifying. <laughs> oh, I actually, I actually saw one run at a tournament uh, in 2019 uh, and it, it did some damage. Nice. But anyway, I'm, I'm digressing here. Um, the, the continue on with some of our posses or frack factions, I should say. Outlaws is kind of a catch-all for a lot of different things. Outlaws yeah. is your Jesse James, but it's also your people that kind of don't fit in any of the other factions. And this is the thing that a lot of people when I run demos perk up at when I mention it. It's like, hey, are you 
you're 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 a nerd, right? Do you like Firefly? And you know, ears instantly perk up. Yes, I love Firefly. Well, you can run that posse in this game. Yeah, there is literally a uh, a posse called the Wayward Eight. And if you show mm -hmm. pictures of this posse to people, they're like, "Oh my god, that's a Firefly crew." Yeah, it literally. You, know, you, you see Malcolm Reynolds, you see uh, uh, River Tam, you, you, you see all the characters uh, that you know and love, but they're not called. You know, they're they're actual names. They're offshoots. And uh, yeah, that definitely gets people to go, "Ooh, this is the game I need to play." Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing that you get in Outlaws is you get some uh, remnants of the Confederacy uh, in this universe the union did win but there's still remnants of the confederacy running around uh stonewall jackson if you're a history buff actually um instead of dying from losing his arm actually got a bionic bionic arm and is still leading confederate remnants um yeah and uh in the backstory uh it might sound weird but why is there confederate still running around well in this timeline the Civil War was fought over ore uh, rights. It's called the Great Ore War. So they kind of bypassed the whole negative connotations a little bit. Yeah. You know, and I know there are some people that have concerns about that. Well, why are there Confederates on the table in a non-historical non game? Well, that's kind of your answer. Yeah. Um, when the, you have an alternate history game, yes. you can do alternate things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, um, yeah, it... If you read the in the back of the rule book, there's a whole like half of the rule book is all fluff. It's all backstory for all the factions. And the rule book is free. Uh rule book is free on wildwestexodus.com. Uh shameless plug. <laughs> so yeah, um aside from my brief overview here, you can definitely go in and dial, you know, delve deep. Yeah. Uh, and let's see what else. Is there anything else in outlaws I want to talk about? Oh yes, the conquistadors. Conquistadors yes. are hilarious. <laughs> yes. Um, there are two posses that you can buy for the Conquistadors. Uh, one is literally just called the Conquistadors Posse. The other one is the Faithful of Castilla. And this is the one that is the that I love the most because the boss of that posse has the holy hand grenade. Yes. So... <laughs> She 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 is I can't remember her name and it's killing me because I can't remember it. But that whole posse, that faithful Castile posse, uh, posse, is all mounted on what are called uh, iron horses, and they're mechanical horses. She's got the holy hand grenade. She runs up, she throws the hand grenade, obliterates anything that it hits, and then goes ole, and then runs away. <laughs> it's 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 an amazing posse. It's very fast and very hard to deal with. But uh, yeah, Outlaws have a lot of character. If there's a certain way you like to play in terms of, you know, hey, I want to run up and gun things down, or hey, I want to stay as a gun line, there's something in Outlaws for you. If none of the, uh, none of the other factions do it for you. Yeah. Um, union is, tip, you know, your typical union. It's the federal government. Uh, they run around, they sit at the end of the table and just try to shoot you off the board. It's what they do. <laughs> um, the best thing about that faction is that you could still take Abraham Lincoln, even though it's at, you know, late 1800s because he faked his death to become head of the secret service. Nice. <laughs> and he's armed with a shotgun ax. And I had somebody, at a demo, 
I, I had somebody you know asked me on a demo like wait does he have a shotgun and an axe no shotgun axe it's literally <laughs> a, a shotgun built into an axe handle yeah <laughs> or a shotgun with an axe head on the end of it that is that, an hey, whatever, works. whatever works for you <laughs> yeah so yeah that 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 that, well, body, that faction typically has the um the secret service and you know the typical union troops nice um so, Wild West Exodus, it's a skirmish game. Yes. So low model count. How many models are usually on the table for you when you play? Uh, depends on which posse you're running. If I'm running a Burson Carpathian Enlightened Posse, I'm going to have a ton of constructs on the table. Hmm. And that could be up to 30 models, depending on how I kit things out. Okay. Or if I take the Wayward 8 Posse, I can have eight models on the table okay so and it's viable it can still that's viable you yeah. do granted there are advantages and disadvantages to doing both you know if you take a lot of models they're not generally going to be your best you know your best troops and they're kind of chaff but if you take the you know the big names mm -hmm. in a posse you might have a harder time dealing with those swarm armies so it's it's a give and take but they're both viable. They, I've seen them both done very well. So, and but yeah, I, I could ramble about the factions and the lore for forever because it's what I do. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, here's a good shameless plug: uh, your podcast, uh, Michigan Marshals. Yes, uh, you're, you're doing that currently. You're going through um, faction yes. views and stuff like that. I'm I'm picking a select few faction, uh, select few posses to talk about um, yeah. all of October. I did nothing but hex posses. Yep. Uh, so if you want to hear about hex, uh, definitely check that out. Um, and I listen to every single one of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the hex is very interesting. Um, it's very Lovecraftian in the way it's an entity. You know, the hex itself is an entity that is trying is like running across the galaxy trying to find a way to avoid being hunted, yeah. and so it, it has this corrupting influence against, uh, not against, but towards people that are kind of destitute, distraught, outcasts, you know, you know, people that are like down and out, you know, and so it finds influence with these people and brings them into the fold and like, oh, well, I can give you great power at the cost of you becoming a mutated monstrosity. <laughs> There's um, a turn. Yeah, there is a turn. Um, <laughs> a standout, uh, if I talk about Hex, I got to point out a standout model, which is Marie Laveau. She recently had a posse box release for her. And if you look at the posse box, you're like, oh, she's just a, a voodoo queen, which is awesome. And then you look at her legendary model. Um, imagine Ursula from The Little Mermaid got hit with the ugly stick about a billion times. <laughs> she is, that model is grotesque in mm. every sense of the word. <laughs> because Marie Laveau in the fluff if, you know, granted, I went over this in the in the podcast, but I'll briefly describe it here. She has a uh, an illusion that she casts on herself to make her look like she's human, but uh, what's underneath is vastly, vastly different. So, yeah, I'm looking but, at her card right now. Yeah, she's a beast on the table too. Yeah, she has all the tools to deal with things that annoy her. <laughs> so when. So when you play oh, Wild that is West, quite a model, yeah. What, <laughs> what's the uh, what's the randomization 
Like, what do you need to play? Like, how do you resolve a conflict? And, well, uh, it is a, there are two, actually three types of resources in the game. Mm-hmm. There is your, your D10s, which is you do, use to roll for actions and shooting and, and fighting and stuff. But you also have your action point deck, which determines, it's like your battery. Uh, for those of you that are Infinity players, all of you know about your order pool. Well, the action yeah. deck kind of acts like that. You flip a card, and it says, hey, you have three action points to do whatever you want with an activated model. And Wild West Exodus is a I-go-you-go game. It's I activate a model, my opponent activates a model, and then we back and forth, back and forth until the end of the turn. So each model has what's called a limit. It's the amount of things they can do before they're done. You know, let's take let's take War Machine, for example. I activate a Warjack. It goes, it does its thing, it does its initial attack. Maybe I buy some additional attacks, and then it ends. Mm-hmm. In Wild West Exodus, let's say, let's take a unit of gun of attack dogs. It's very basic hands unit. They're awesome models too. They're mechanical dogs. Who nice. doesn't love them? Who doesn't love dogs? They have a limit of two. So that means I can activate that unit with let's say I have two action points. My first action, I want to move the dogs. Okay, they move however far I need them to go. And then let's say, hey, I'm in range of some other model. I can charge them. All right, cool. I spent another action point to do a combat move to charge them into base-to-base contact. They charge into base. They make it. They make their attacks, and then they're done. You can't do anything more of them because they've done two actions. Hmm. Now, there are car- there is another card deck called your adventure deck, and it has two, si- there are two sides on it. There's a glory side, and there's a gut side. Now, some of those gut sides are immediate uh, benefit to you. They're plus one action point, plus one limit, plus one, you know, they give you immediate benefits to what you're doing. So let's say, hey, I want to pay this plus one limit card. Well, then you can give plus one limit to those dogs and make them limit three so you can do another attack. Nice. So there are ways to manipulate what you can do in terms of, you know, your action point pool. But, um, to touch back on the adventure deck, there's another side called the glory side where it's more of a delayed thing. Like, hey, kill a support unit in a melee action and you get plus one victory points. And that's how you win the game. You win by victory points. Nice. There's been, I've heard stories, I haven't actually done it myself, where people have actually won the game with all of their models destroyed, but had more victory points. Nice. <laughs> so are these, uh, the action deck and the adventure deck, are they um, the same? Are they predetermined? Can you customize them? They are predetermined. Okay. Uh, the only randomization that happens in them is you shuffle them. Okay. Um, so you and your opponent will have the same amount of cards. You will have the same, you know, it's in the rule book, it's broken down for the action point deck. You have so many ones, so many twos, so many threes, fours, and five. And you have one five. You only have one five point action card in the entire deck. So, you know that you you're not going to get some weird jank that somebody pulls out of nowhere because they had this ultimate combo of cards that that, that doesn't happen in this game okay they may have some neat combos with models that has they interact on the table but you're not going to see that in the adventure or action point deck okay what size table do you usually play on um three by three is typical for smaller point games um, anything between 
I don't know, 800 and 1,000 three by three is pretty comfortable. 1,200 points, uh, you're start, you might gonna, you might start getting in the four by four size. So if you have a Malfo table or a war machine table, either one works, you know, yeah. depending on how you space your terrain. I built up, um, I, I made a three by three kind of wild west thematic um, table that my son and I will play Malifo on. Yes. And my aim is to use that table when I do wild west Exodus um, demos. Yeah. Cover is your friend in that game in, in wild west Exodus. Yeah. Because uh, I miss. Sorry. Go, go ahead, Chad. No, I had, a, I had a question. Go ahead. Finish what you were saying. Well, I was going to say, for if you are getting into Wild West Exodus, make sure you have a decent amount of terrain. Because the thing I want to point out is that the game has a very, very lethal quality to it. Everything has one wound. Even the massive Wendigo, which I used to have sitting around here, but he's now disappeared. Um, he's a big model. He stands about five inches tall. He's big, mean, and nasty. He has one wound. If you can chew through all of his ablative skills, he goes down. With, he takes one wound, he's done. Yeah. Same thing with your bosses, you know, your big leaders. If you can chew through all of their, you know, quick and the dead, which is your ability to ignore shots, and their, you know, any other ablative stuff that they have, you could kill them in one shot. I actually, I actually had a demo where a guy almost killed Jesse James with a single attack dog because the attack dog actually got really lucky on his rolls. And <laughs> the only thing that saved Jesse James was a... Um, I think it was a, he. He had a medal that he could mm. use. Um, and to be fair, if Jesse James had died to a single attack dog, I would have pre. I would have laughed. <laughs> it was one of the funniest <laughs> things. Yeah, there was this building. Jesse James on the one side of it. He's going to try and gun down wider, and then this attack dog comes around the other side and just bites him in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but, That's uh, funny. yeah. So you're going to want a lot of. You're going to want a lot of terrain in the game because terrain adds benefits to cut to you and negatives to people shooting at you. Yeah. So if let's say I have two, I have two models that are shoot uh, that are, I don't know, six inches apart from each other. And there's two pieces of terrain in between them. The person shooting at them suffers a, neg a negative two to their aim, which is their ability to shoot. While the person that is being shot gets a plus two to their grit, which is their ability to withstand taking hits. So there's this give and take with terrain in terms of how you place them and what's in between you and your target. Nice. That's a that four point swing is pretty major. I guess it, it kind of makes sense if everything only has one wound and you potentially go down in a single shot, yeah. then you well, want all of that extra cover. Yeah. And if well the thing is to remember if you're you are the shooter you can move into base contact with a piece of terrain and as long as your base size can is taller than the piece of terrain you can shoot over it mm -hmm. but you also don't suffer the negative to aim because you're like trying to shoot over the over nice. the wall or whatever or crates that whatever, whatever you are but they but your yeah. opponent still gets the plus two grit yeah okay. so th there is Terrain is definitely something that comes into play a lot, and buildings buildings get complicated real quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Chad, you had a question. Oh, my question was—I think I may have missed it when you said it earlier—of um, what type of a resolution system it was. But you you said something about rolling dice when you were just talking. Yes. So yes, let's get into that. Um, Wild West Exodus is a D10 game. Um, okay. You have on your unit cards. You have a uh, 
basically a gun cylinder with a bunch of stats in it. So let's say I'm shooting at a unit that has, oh, no, grit five. So my I'm grit five, I have no piercing value, which would re reduce that on the weapon that I'm, that I'm being shot at with. Uh, weapons in the game have a, uh, most weapons in the game have a pierce value, which adds negatives to your grit. So let's say I'm, I'm taking that Pierce, that Pierce, uh, that Grit Five model, and it's being shot at by a Pierce Two weapon. So that brings my grit, my guts down to three. So in order to save that model, I need to roll a seven or higher on a D10. So because a ten is a success. Because a ten is always ten is a oh, success yeah. always. But if I roll a a one, if I crit fail it, you can't re-roll it. You can't re-roll, re-roll in the game. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, and you can't re-roll a crit, regardless if it's a, a success or a failure. Yeah, but like, but but like a, a model might have um, like the skill or the ability uh, hardy. That, yes. You know, so if you have hardy, you can re-roll a failed grit check. Yes, there are rules in the game that do that. Um, yeah. There are rules that hey, if you're if you're within six inches of a buddy with the same keyword as you you get a plus one to your grit. Or yeah. a, if I'm standing base to base with another model from the same unit, I get a I get a bonus to grit. There's a lot of stuff like that in the game, and it varies between unit to unit. So coming from War Machine and Hordes, where we deal with uh, focus and fury a lot, mm -hmm. um, can you explain uh, the role that fortune plays in Wild West Exodus? Yeah. Uh, fortune is a way, If actually the better analogy is cheating in Malifaux. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> that that's the best thing I've had I've come up with to explain it. Fortune is a way to kind of slant things in your favor a little bit. Let's say you're you know, let's say you're getting shot at by somebody, you know, some sniper that's super powerful, and you have a dude out in the middle of like Doc Holliday's out in the middle of, of the town and he needs the he needs to shoot back quickly, but he didn't you didn't put him in that overwatch state beforehand. It's called uh the overwatch state's called on lookout in uh in Wild West Exodus, you can spend a fortune to put him in the on lookout state so he can get that reaction shot and hopefully kill that sniper that's trying to take him down if the sniper's in range. Um, there's another, there's a bunch of other things you can do with fortune. You can actually cause, you're, you can actually re, uh, spend a fortune to re roll dice as long as it's not a critical uh, failure or success. You can spend fortune as action points if you have the resources to do it. Oh, cool. But it's a cumulative uh, scale to do that. So one action point is one fortune. To get a second action point, you have to spend two fortune. To yeah. get three fortune, a third fortune, you have to spend three fortune. Or the third action point, you need to get three fortune. Sorry, I'm messing my terms yeah. up. It's been a long day. <laughs> so, you, so you could get three extra actions using four, fortune points, but eventually yes. it would... Cost you in total six. Yeah, because it'd be yeah, one it for would be the first it. one, two for the second one, three for the third one. Yes, yeah. yes. And the thing to remember is that fortune does not re uh, refresh normally until the e um, end of the model's activation. So a lot of bosses have the special rule called largesse, which means that other mo members of its posse can spend the boss's fortune as if it was their own. So. If mm. I spend all my boss's fortune on other units in my posse and then activate him, and let's say I draw one for my action point, that's all I got. Yeah. I, and I, or 
it's a touchback on the adventure deck, there's actually a card that says, hey, I refresh all fortune without having to finish my activation first. So there are ways to kind of try and get around it. But usually you only get your fortune back after the boss finishes it or the face unit finishes its activation. So you got to remember, okay, I got to be strategic about how I spend this. Can I really spend all this fortune on all the rest of my dudes? Or do I really want my boss to run up and have the extra battery of resources to do stuff? And there's a couple other things that fortune can do. You can uh, yeah. pull a guy in front of you to take the hit. <laughs> it's uh, almost like lookout serve from Warhammer. Yeah, yeah. nice. And, uh, it, there's a there's a variety of things you can do with it to kind of... I like that. It. I'm glad that you uh, made the connection to Malifaux versus uh, War Machine. Yeah. Now it, now it like registers in my brain a little bit. Um, one of the things I like about this is, so uh, there's Wild West Exodus and mm -hmm. there's Lost World Exodus. Yes. And there's some like synergy there, almost like the way that War Machine and the Horrors play together. That is, act that is exactly there's the plan. That play in both those systems, right? That is exactly the plan. And so let's, let's talk about Lost World Exodus a little bit. Yeah. They'll it will be using the same core mechanics with the adventure deck, the action point system, uh, the the fortune system. I'm not quite sure how that's going to fit in. I haven't. Granted, we're still in the early stages of knowing what Lost World Exodus is. Um, they might. There's probably going to be another uh, system in place to replace it, yeah. but it'll still be D10 based. You can take your Lost World Exodus detachments and play against a Wild West Exodus posse. That's awesome. So, Interesting. So basically, if the Lost World Exodus, the background behind that is that a huge treasure trove of alien technology has been found in Antarctica. And it's basically terraformed the, uh, a section of the continent into a jungle paradise. And all the major world powers are, they want to get their hands on the tech gubbins. So you're going to get Britain, which is uh, which in the game is called the Crown. You're going to get the Russian Coalition. You're going to get the French. You're going to get the Enlightened. You're going to get the the Union. You know all these major po uh, powers. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention the Celestial Empire, which is Japan and China. They're all going to be vying for resources in Antarctica. So you will see detachments based on those factions. So. Hey, hey, if you want to run Prussian steampunk knights, keep an eye on Lost World Exodus. <laughs> nice. What about nice. what about some steampunk samurais? Is that the celestial? Yes. If you want steampunk, steampunk samurais, samurais and ninjas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I hate you right so. now, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if my job is I to get you to buy miniatures from War Cradle, I'm doing my job right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. right. But yeah. yeah, let's talk about the miniatures real quick. We've talked about rules. We've talked about kind of the setting. You yeah. know, I know we're kind of just doing a breezy overview of the rules. Um, right. To touch back real quick, the rule book is free. The rule book is completely free. You don't even have to go buy a deck, buy the adventure or or um, action point deck. You can literally just print it out if you're, you know, if you're strapped for cash. Right. So the rule book, the action and adventure deck. And all the unit cards are available for free. You know, just go to uh, wildwestexodus.com, and I believe it's under resources. Resource uh, the yeah the adventure and action point card uh, action cards are under resources. The unit cards actually have their own. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, they have their and own. War Machine players are familiar with that because Privateer Press holds, uh, you know, has has their their Descartes database online too. So it's something that's very yeah. familiar. Yeah. Right. So, sorry, my phone's distracting me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the models for Wild West Exodus have been phenomenal. I don't think I've ever worked with a resin miniature that has been as well sculpted or as detailed as the sculpts from Wild West Exodus. Yeah. Okay. Um, they there are some fiddly bits. Um, I have a great elk for Warrior Nation, which is the Native American faction, which we haven't talked about. And he's got a lot of spiny bits that go up and down his back. And you know, there's a, those are kind of fiddly bits. But hey, if you're familiar with Malifaux stuff or or Infinity, yeah. you got you got this. It's fine. Yeah. And it's slightly larger, me. a little yeah. bit larger than Malifaux. Yeah. Hey, yeah. at least we don't got uh, at least we don't have Mal uh, Yan Lowe's beard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember I still remember assembling the Victorious box that I bought um, just because I thought they were cool minis and I wanted to paint them. And I had never assembled any Malifaux models before or seen too many of them up close. And some of the tiny little pieces that just felt so unnecessary was ridiculous. <laughs> like one of the Victorias had a pistol like on a holster basically on her back. And the pistol itself was separate. And I'm like, why? Just sculpt <laughs> the pistol in the holster on the back of the model. Why is this tiny pistol separate? Now, I will why? say this. I will say this. Uh, if you get into Enlightened and you want to build all those constructs, you will have a little bit of fiddliness. Yeah. There, there is some of that in those plastic kits. But overall, you know, it's the, the kits are fine. Yeah. Uh, if you're filming, as I said, familiar familiar with working with resin, just wash them before you prime them. Yeah. Jobs are good. Well, and actually, War Cradle actually has a, a little download you can do, like a two pager yes. primer on how to deal with resin. Yep. So if you're unfamiliar with it, it's actually a great primer that you can just share with anybody who's using resin for the very first time. And the, the assembly guys are all online too. So yeah. if you if you look at um, Let's say you buy you buy the Infernal Investigations posse, and you're trying to put together Helena Miller with a rocket pack, and go, I don't know how this goes together. Well, there's there's resources available for you. Yeah, but yeah, the miniatures are great. It's it's the it's the one thing that draws me to a game. I'm a I'm an aesthetics and miniature look guy before rules. Rules are always yeah. rules are rules. But if a yeah. miniature can grab me, I'm I'm done for. That's kind of like that's that. kind of the way. That's kind of the way I am too, and it's part of the reason why there are some miniature games that I never really got into is because there wasn't enough of a certain miniature or uh, faction that I liked the look of uh, yeah. that pulled me into a game. It was part of the reason why I didn't get into Malifaux because there wasn't enough of a faction that I liked the look of. Um, it's I can get I that. couldn't I couldn't really get into Conquest um, because. I didn't really like the way the a lot of the models looked, though with the the fifth faction coming out and some of the stuff that I saw with the sixth faction that people were voting on looked kind of interesting. I think one yeah. of the the potentials for the sixth faction were like these arachnid people, which the art looked for the uh, the art on them looked really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see what the models might end up looking like. It's like. The art for the spire are really interesting, but I'm just not. I don't really like the yeah. body horror aspect of their models. Yeah. So I couldn't really get into them, and then the other factions just kind of looked a little boring to me. 
Yeah. Um, well, yeah, from an aesthetic yeah, purpose. Yeah, I, I can get that. And I have a friend of mine that is not really big on the steampunk aesthetic of Wild West Exodus. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it, that's not his jam. So he went with Warrior Nation instead, which kind of does more of the spirit animal. They actually have werewolves, which is actually yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've so, got Warrior Nation at home. They look yeah. pretty nice. The, uh, the the beauty of Wild West Exodus and eventually Lost World Exodus will be that there's probably an, a faction that will grab your attention at some point. Yeah. Um, the, War Cradle likes to throw pop culture references in a lot of its sculpt, newer sculpts. So it's fun, kind of, it's kind of fun to po- you know find, okay, what's this referencing? Um, yeah. <laughs> there is... I was looking at a, there's a posse I'm going to build for New Year, New Army called the Golden Army. It's uh, Pancho Villa's crew. And I noticed that there was a model from another posse box that looked very familiar. And I'm like, who is this guy? Oh, wait, it's Danny Trejo. Nice. <laughs> Literally, Danny Trejo. <laughs> I have to put him in the posse now. <laughs> so That's it's awesome. fun to find those little you know, nuggets of, of pop culture references and a lot of these, these newer, yeah. newer sculpts. So, but yeah, if you're a history buff or you like pop culture references or you just like steampunk aesthetic, there's something in Wild West Exodus for you. I think this was a, a very good introduction uh, for our audience, you know, uh, and, um, you know, a lot of our listeners, you know, we all come from the War Machine and Hordes perspective mostly, but, mm-hmm. uh, but we all dabble and play in other things. Quite a lot of us actually getting into 40k at the moment for some reason, um, but uh, hey, it's that it's that it. It's yeah, it. I know. He definitely puts it in you, and you never get rid of it. <laughs> but um, I'd love to um, actually table the conquest conversation for maybe for maybe a future yeah. episode where we can partner again. I'd like um, to be a vanguard for that at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I applied uh, for that as well, and uh, have not got approved yet. But that's okay. Um, we um, so why don't we wrap up this episode? Uh, we like to go to the hobby desk and just kind of share what we are building and what we are painting. And so, uh, who wants to share first? What are you guys working on? Uh, I have been working on right getting caught up on all my riot quest stuff uh i managed to get my unit of assault intercessors for my space wolves done at the beginning of my vacation uh so i've been working through my heroes for riot quest i got all of my wintertime wasteland stuff assembled uh and i got it primed over the weekend uh and so i've been working through some of that um it's a it's a pile of miniatures it's like 30 (laughs) heroes just about uh, working on trying to get through those and then move on to my next project. I haven't decided what it's going to be. It might be my Victoria's box just because they've been sitting around for a while and I've got some yeah. nice new brushes that, you know, need to get tested. So, What brand do you go with for brushes, Chad? Um, I mostly just use Army Painter stuff. Um, I'm not kind to my brushes, so I haven't bought anything really expensive. But I did get their most wanted line uh, for my sister for Christmas. So that's got uh, the insane detail, the regiment, and the small dry brush. And I've been using the regiment one for a lot of stuff recently. It's been really nice. And the insane detail has been really nice for some very small insane details uh, lately. So uh, which have very much come in handy with some different stuff that I've been doing lately. So um, those will definitely... 
Huh? <laughs> Space Marine helmet lenses. Yeah, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Just like I'm not drilling out the ends of all my barrels. No, I don't want what? that headache. What? Heresy. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to run the risk of accidentally splitting a barrel. Yeah, because that's I true. drilled yeah, it in true. the wrong spot. So yeah. I picked a tabletop quality, not show quality. Come on, GW, you got the technology. Give us pre-drilled barrels. Come on now. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm also looking forward to um, the... Uh, I got an email from GW because I work at a game store, so I get insider mm -hmm. info of the uh, the upcoming Death Guard stuff, which is coming out at the end of January, which I'm excited for because Death Guard is my primary army for 40K. So right. there's some sweet new models there that are coming up that I'm probably going to be... That's probably going to be my next painting project once I get through all the right quest stuff is... I've right. got six new Plague Marines from the Space Marine Hero Box that are, all look super cool that I need to get painted get up. That. And then I have the new stuff that's going to be launching with the Codex at the end of the month. And then I'll be back up to being a fully painted uh, Death Guard player of my 3,600 points. Nice. I was going to say, Brothers in Chaos actually have a, a Word Bearers army that's been an on and off project for a long time, if you, nice. if you don't mind segue, segueing to my hobby desk. If you're good, if you're good, if you're good with that, yeah. No, go ahead. What are you yeah, working? Yeah, um, actually, oh, my wife, one of my wife's coworkers is actually getting into 40k. I'm like, oh gosh, I'm going to dig that pile of stuff out again. <laughs> so my word bearers army will get back on the paint table eventually this year. So that'll be that'll be fun. But currently, I'm working on a no surrender union posse for Wild West Exodus. After that, I have a it's a very small tombstone posse that I'm going to be put together. I have, let's see, about two to three weeks to get it all done because I have a local event that hopefully, you know, knock on wood, is going to take place cool. uh, where I run basically demos all day and try to get more people to buy into Wild West Exodus. So that is on, that's mostly on my hobby desk right now. Um, as I said earlier, I'm going to try and do some conquest maybe, at least get it all built and painted, you know, built, maybe prime. And um, yeah, it's basically I'm rotating between Wild West Exodus, historicals, my my long-suffering protectorate army, which never seems to get as much love as it should, and Infinity. I have a combined army uh, Morat list that I want to get painted by the end of the year. So Nice. We, we shall see if I can get the angry space monkeys on the table fully painted by the end of the year, but I have my doubts. Uh, oh, and, the, and then I have my Vaughn Shell Malfo crew, which will be my you know a primary focus because I really want to do do a good job on those. Nice. Uh, as it were, I got a few more rats used that were uh, missing their heads. Oh, fun! <laughs> and so I'm going to cannibalize some. Uh, uh, I got a Kickstarter of like uh, space apes, and I'm basically going to cut their heads off. Uh, to use for my Morats, <laughs> missing uh, their faces, so it won't be exact, but uh, it'll be fine. Um, that that's uh, a small thing that I'll be doing. Uh, but the big thing that I've been doing is I built uh, more mushrooms last week and primed them for my for my Mykonid army for the Ninth Age, and so now everything that I have is built and uh, and primed, and so now I'm ready to paint that army. Um, I actually have one representation of every character for that force. So I have list building options. And then two of those characters, I have their mounted versions. 
So nice. um, pretty excited about that. And uh, there's a local guy here who's really into the ninth age. And uh, he's probably one of the persons I play the most games with right now, although we haven't played a game in like four months. But um, <laughs> but like, uh, <laughs> it tells you how often, right? Um, but anyway, I figured I'd, I'd build an army so I can play him specifically. But my biggest thing for me is I was listening to a different podcast last week and they were talking about organizing their paint desk or their hobby desk where they always have something that they're building and they always have something that they're painting. And, and so my goal is to have that sort of system going. That's so the painting project is now going to be the T9A army. And then the building project is going to be my conquest army. So, and unless I get bored of that, then I'll switch over to, I got some Legion stuff I need to build for, for hordes, but, um, yeah. yeah oh, but we can go another hour with me poking you with questions for how the CID went, but we don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah. We can do that. Another, yeah. Um, so, oh, but Jeremiah hasn't, Jeremiah hasn't put Legion on the table very much. So I don't know if yeah, you've even true. gotten your, uh, you probably still have your blight archons to assemble. No, they're assembled. Um, oh, okay. I just haven't put them on the table yet. So, um, right. the, um, the, uh, uh, I want to put a, uh, just extend a thank you, uh, for being a part of the oh, conversation wow. today. Um, I know that um, our listeners uh, would, would be encouraged to hear what you have to share. I hope your listeners the same. Um, personal plug for on our side of the things, every Thursday night we host a paint party on our Discord server. And uh, and it's awesome. It's a great time to just get a hobby done. And we, we generally pick a topic to talk about that kind of guides our conversation. And, uh, and so it's cool. Um, and so I want to invite everyone to join us on the paint party and um, you can find our, all the stuff for us online at spellstormminiatures.com. And uh, you can find Michigan Marshall's uh, Ian's podcast at all of the servers. He's everywhere as well. Yeah. And, um, and then I want to do a shout out to uh, three of our patrons, uh, Alex, Hans, and Perry. And uh, thank you very much for your your support for our project. And we hope to bring you more good content for you to listen to while you hobby. Uh, with that being said, thanks for listening to our show. And uh, yeah, have fun.
Bing 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 b